Merry Christmas to you. Welcome to Union Chapel this afternoon. So glad to have you. If you've joined us online, welcome. We're thrilled you've tuned in. My name is Greg Paris. We're uh, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. About 80% of Americans actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God, give or take. About 70% of Americans believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's positive. That's good. But it drops down to 60% of people who actually identify, either strongly identify or very lightly identify with the Christian faith. So literally in America, we have tens of millions of people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was actually born in that small village about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago, but don't have any meaningful comprehension of why in the world he was born in that village, why he came, why he was here. And today I want to just rehearse that with you for a moment. When we look at the, the culture around us, it occurs to us that maybe we should try harder, do a better job of trying to explain why Jesus came to begin with. We can speculate about that. Why in the world would, would this story be created? If, assuming it's all true, why, why in the world would God become a person and live among us here? I mean, we could speculate on this. And one of the reasons wouldn't possibly be that Jesus looked down from heaven and saw us all doing so beautifully here and getting along so well with one another that he thought he'd just come and hang out for a while because it looked like fun. That would not be it. We all know better. As it turns out, he came for a whole different reason. He came to rescue us. He came to deliver us. He came to save us. Well, I'm not sure I need to be saved. Folks can be confused about that. In fact, folks can get confused about a lot of things. It reminds me of the story of a, of a family that were very wealthy, and they liked to give expensive gifts to each other. And so an adult son thought, what could I give my dad this year for Christmas that would really impress him? And he found, he found this very exotic bird, very gifted bird. This bird, think about this. This bird could speak five different languages. Not only could it speak five different languages, but in between the languages, it would sing a song, and the song it, it had memorized was the Yellow Rose of Texas. Imagine that. And as he would sing the song, he'd tap his foot. Amazing exotic bird. Uh, then the son found out that the bird was very expensive. The bird cost $100,000. He thought, man, that's a lot of money for a bird. Um, but, you know, for a multilingual song-singing, toe-tapping bird, that's probably a good deal. And he had the money, and so he thought it would impress his dad, and so he ordered the bird. A couple of days after Christmas, he was anxious to hear how it had gone. So he called his dad and he said, hey, how did you like my gift? And the dad said, I liked it a lot. It was delicious. <laughs> how many of you saw that coming? A few of you have heard that maybe. We can miss the point. We can, we can lose the focus. And this is an example of that. As it turns out, the world is hurting the world, the world is, is diseased and, and filled with pain and suffering. And all of us have a story to tell. The Christmas holidays, of course, exaggerate everything that's good in our lives and also 
things that aren't so good in our lives, and we feel that. Today, for some of you, it may be a mixed blessing. You love maybe being with your family and friends, but you have experiences in your life that make it more difficult to celebrate. I asked my wife's permission to tell this story from her family of origin. My wife, uh, years ago, had just turned 10 years old on December 1st, her birthday. Four days later that year, her mother, at 39 years of age, died. She'd been diagnosed with cancer 10 years prior at the age of 29. She lived 10 years, and now she was gone on December the 5th. The memorial services had been conducted, and the family had gathered at their house. Beth and her two siblings, her brother VJ was 11 years old, her sister Susan was 14 years old, and their dad. The four of them had decided that the right thing to do would be to celebrate Christmas, so, so they had assembled to put up the Christmas tree. There hadn't been time for that before this date in December. And they were pulling the ornaments out of the boxes where they were stored and hanging the ornaments on the tree. And Beth uncovered, unpacked, a carefully packed little ornament. She lifted it out of the box and everyone saw it. It was an iconic, historic little um, figurine uh, of, a, of an icon playing a musical instrument. And it was very meaningful to their family. It had been in the family for a long time. And it made them all think about their mother. Beth's dad said to her, why don't you hang that ornament on the mantle so we could more easily see it, celebrate it. Everyone knew the meaning of that suggestion. This will remind us of our mother and our wife. Beth made her way over to, toward the mantle. She stepped up on the hearth, and as she was reaching for the mantle, the very delicate and beautiful ornament fumbled in her hands, and it fell landed on the hearth and shattered. And everyone in the room burst into tears. When I asked Beth to reminisce about this account, asking her permission to tell the story, that's been nearly 60 years ago. And she had to compose herself three or four times just to get through the story. Now, Beth's siblings and she are doing well in life. They're alive and well. Beth's dad is still living. He's 96 years old. He said he's going for 100. And so God has been faithful to this family after that kind of sadness and grief. But maybe you identify with that story in part, or you have your own story. Maybe it's that dramatic. Maybe it's not that dramatic, but you understand disappointment. You understand pain. You understand suffering. You know what it's like to be betrayed. You know what it's like to get a bad report. We all have a story to tell. And I want to remind you today that this is why Jesus came. He didn't come just to hang out. He came out to identify with us. He came to this planet. He put on an earth suit. We call it the incarnation. Today, when we send missionaries to other cultures, we use terms like that. It's an incarnational, an immersion into the culture. 
it's an identification with. We, we go there, we learn the customs, we learn the language, we learn, we learn the culture. We, we want to identify with these people as carefully as possible, as loving as possible, so that we can share the hopeful good news of Jesus Christ to them in ways that they can hear and receive for themselves. And that's exactly what God did. He came to live the life we live. And as it turns out, he experienced all the things that we experience in life. The joys and the sorrows, the high places and the low places. He knows what it's like to, to, to know rejection. He understands what it's like to lose a dear friend in death and to experience that level of grief. He went all the way to the end of his life, drinking to the very bottom the experiences that life on earth has to offer. And he did it for one reason, because he loves you so much. He cares so much about you. He wants to identify with you so that when he says, I love you and I die for you, you have reason to believe him. I love the little quip that Max Lucado offers in one of his writings when he said, if God owned a refrigerator, he loves you so much. If God owned a refrigerator, he'd have your picture on it. That's helpful, isn't it? It's true. There's a great story that comes out of missionary history from the 1800s. This is a Belgian priest, Roman Catholic priest, by the name of Damien. And Damien sensed the call of God to go to a unique people in another part of the world. This was in the island of Molokai and the Hawaiian island chain. And in those days, leprosy was an incurable disease. And there was a whole village of lepers living on that island. And he went there to live with them. Leprosy, of course, is a disease that deadens the nerve endings in your body. So the extremities in your body over time, because you lose sensitivity there, the, the tissue begins to be corrupted and, it, and it's destroyed. It's discolored and constantly flaking off of the body. So if a person leprous for many, many years, their fingers are shortened, their nose, noses, their ears. It's, it's horrible. And of course... It is a perfectly curable degree, uh, disease in our day because of modern medicine. But in the 1800s, this was a malady that you lived with and then you died with. And Brother Damien went to this village. And you would think that he would separate himself a bit from these lepers, contagious lepers. But he did not. We understand social distancing these days. When we say that phrase, we know exactly what we're talking about. He chose not to social distance. He shared a cup with his friends who are leprous. He shared his pipe. He shared common food bowls when they ate poi together from a common bowl. He shared with the bowl. He bandaged their wounds. He cared for them, not always washing his hands when he was completed. And in time, as you would suspect, he developed a disease as well. Some years into his 16 years of life and then death with the lepers on Molokai, he stood up one Sunday morning and began his sermon with these two words. We lepers. We lepers. It's powerful, isn't it? Who does that? helped them build their homes, built caskets for them so when they died, they could be buried with dignity. Totally immersed his life. This is called incar in incarnational ministry. 
He went all in. He lived the life that they lived and died the death that they would die. There's some within the sound of my voice today who have pushed God away. You know, you tolerate the Christmas season and Easter and moments like that in our culture, uh, and you get through it because it's an opportunity to be with family and friends and, and, you know, have a little extra party or whatever. And so you tolerate all of this religious aspect of it. And one of the reasons that you tend to push God away is because you too have been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been disappointed in your life, and you can't, you can't rationalize or somehow understand the two things li- living together, that something bad happening to me, I'm a good person, I'm a generally good person, bad things have happened to me, and so I, I, I just can't, I can't rationalize a good and loving God allowing that to happen to me, and so I'm not interested in God. I mean, and you hear perhaps yourself saying or thinking, you know, what's God ever done for me? Well, the answer, he's done a lot. He's the one that came. You know, he's born in a barn. Why'd he pick a barn? Why not not in front of the presidents or the chancellors or the senators? Why not there? Why a barn? Pretty simple. He just wanted everyone to know that everyone's included. His love, forgiveness, and acceptance is made available to everyone, no matter what side of the tracks you grew up on, no matter what side of town, no matter what your story, no matter what your circumstances, Jesus can identify with you. And not only does he identify with you at every point of your life, but he also identifies with you at the point of your death. He's not only lived your life, he has died the death you will die. So from the womb to the tomb, Jesus identifies with every single one of us. And he stands before us at, at a season like Christmas and he says, this is why I came. Stop wondering why I came. I came in order to rescue people precious to me, to love them well enough so that they could be included in my family and live with me forever. This is the grand vision of God for his world. From the very beginning, this was his design and plan. And he makes it available once again. This is good, isn't it? So that's the invitation I give you tonight on the cusp of a celebration of the birth of Jesus, could we just all admit he's done a lot for me. He's lived lived like I have lived. He, He has died the way I will die. And he says to me, I love you and I want you to be included in my family. So Jesus stands before us and we hear his words. He said at one time, I'm the bread of life. I can satisfy every hunger of your life, your soul. I'm the water of life. I'm the living water. Jesus said, if any man or woman is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, find satisfaction for his soul. Jesus said, I'm the door through which you come into a relationship with me and with God. The Bible says that whosoever will may come. If you confess Jesus as Lord, the Bible says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so this invitation is extended to all of us. May we have the courage, the faith, the conviction today to hear the answer to the question, why did he come? He came for you. He loves you.
He's given everything for you. Say yes to him. Amen? Say yes. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you today for this amazing story, this miracle, the incarnation of Jesus Christ into the world. Not only to come to help us understand who God is, but to help us understand who we are. In the midst of the suffering and pain and challenges of this life, God, you have made a way for us, a way that rescues us from the depths of our own rebellion and stubbornness toward you into a relationship of acceptance and love and forgiveness that can secure us forever. And for that, we are grateful. We are so thrilled and so thankful to you. So I bless all of my friends in this room today, those within the sound of my voice, and I pray your blessing upon them so that they might know your goodness and your grace in this beautiful season as we celebrate your birth. In Jesus' name, for his sake, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.